if you've ever wanted to transform properties. I'm talking about taking the ugliest properties on the neighborhood and turning them into the nicest. If that's what you're interested in doing, pay attention to this upcoming episode. Let's go! Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey gang, how's it going? Russell Westcott here. So welcome back to the podcast and hope you are having yourself a wonderful day. You know, at the end of the day, it is a choice, is it not? How you show up each and every day is a choice and I hope you are choosing to make today an incredible day. And what I'm going to do here, do my little part to help make this an incredible day for you, to help make maybe bring a little bit of inspiration, a little bit of education, a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of encouragement, and a whole lot of fire here today. So, oh, this one's uh, going to be a fun episode. This is where I had a good chance to catch up with a good friend of mine, Mark Loeffler. Mark and I hadn't talked for personally for quite a while, you know, ever since COVID lockdowns have happened. I think the last time we talked in person was at a live event out in Ontario, and it was good to catch up with Mark. Mark has been just on fire lately. He's been just on a rampage of divesting of properties, repositioning his portfolio. And I think, what did he say? He's built, he's bought like about another 60 more units in the last three or four months or written offers. Some of them haven't closed, some of them have. So he's on fire. He's an active real estate investor. He's somebody who puts it out there and shares everything online, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He's relentless in his pursuit. Any person who, you know, goes out and does triathlons and the David Goggins challenge and things like that, that's a, a serious discipline, serious discipline. So in this episode, Mark and I dove deep into his uh, backstory, a lot of his backstory, which many of you probably already know if you follow him online. But we talked about the early days. We talked about him his authoring of Rent to Own and Fix and Flip with our good friend Ian Zabo. Ian, I hope you're listening. I want you on the podcast, my friend. And we talked a lot about that. We talked a lot about the early strategies. We talked about his, he started in, he then talked about his pivot into Hamilton and then what he was buying in Hamilton, where that evolved. And now we talked a lot about what he's doing now because he's actually just this past year, he made another big pivot. And I think the number is, uh, I think he sold over 160 units in the Ontario and the Hamilton market. And he's now deploying that capital in another marketplace that is poised to do a next run. And he's looking to do the same as what he did in the Hamilton area and out in Southern Ontario. And he's looking to do that in another market. Now, I'm not going to tell you what market that is, but if you're listening to my podcast, you probably know which market that might be, but you might be surprised. You never know. Pay attention. Here's one of the things I'm going to put. I'm going to put a giant disclaimer on this as well. One of the things I'm always mindful of when I have somebody like a Mark Loeffler with 20 plus years of experience and he's on and he's sharing his strategy and he's sharing what he's doing and he's sharing the, the things that he's doing 20 years into the business. I'm also very mindful that not everybody has 20 years experience and not everybody can pull off what my guest is sometimes talking about. The thing that you might want to take out of this is the process that he went through in order to get to the point of what he's doing today, okay? To be honest, the strategy that he's doing, and, and we, we even go into this in this episode, is not for the faint of heart. By going into some of the worst neighborhoods and going in and picking up properties in some of the worst conditions, and I think he mentioned, you know, crack addicts and prostitution and bed bugs and you name it. It's a nightmare. Um, I think the one he just talked about, we did a little case study in this episode, is he bought a 20-unit building and I think 13 units were empty. That ain't for the faint of heart. And it's in a rougher area. It's in a very rougher neighborhood. And uh, the tenant profile is less than desirable. But Mark is going into those areas. He's really trying to clean them up. And he's being rewarded by getting some good purchase prices at the beginning. So here's the point I'm trying to get to is um, sometimes when you hear these stories and they're romanticized a little bit about, oh, you can buy it for 95 a door and you put this in and it's worth this, there's an awful lot of time and effort and stress. And mostly there's a lot of capital that is required to go into these kind of properties. Now, don't get me wrong. There's probably an opportunity. But 
you better have some thick skin, you better have some deep pockets, and you better be prepared to wade through a bunch of crap in order to get there because it is highly risky would be the best way to put it. There's a lot of risk, and sometimes when there's a lot of risk, there's a lot of reward. All right, everybody. So hope that helps as just a kind of an opening frame and context to the start of this episode. You'll love it. You'll absolutely love it. You'll come back to it often. Mark is just such a, a wonderful wealth of information. And guys, make sure you stick around right to the very end. Got a little quick message for you at the end that I want to share with you as well. And with all that being said, let's help me welcome Mr. Mark Loeffler. Hey, Mark Loeffler, welcome to the show. How are you doing today, my brother? Doing great. Great to be here. Well, first of all, Mark, my lovely wife, Corrine, says hello to you and, and hope you and your family are all doing well as well. Well, yeah, I mean, we're doing better than the Canucks are this season. So. Oh, oh, ouch. Ooh, hang on, <laughs> hang on. Ooh. Early and often. Hi, yeah. Corrine. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be one of those uh, episodes, is it? Well, at least... Maybe. We just had, what is it, I'm going to date myself here, but we just recently had a two-year anniversary of when the Leafs lost to a Zamboni driver. And I That's think right. we should make that a national holiday just so we never forget it, ever. There you go. I'm happy right? with that. <laughs> Good. Mark, 75 hard. What day are you on, brother? Oh, geez, I have to look. Uh, we stop on the 18th of March. So what's this, day 50, 60, 60-something? 60 wow. Yeah, I think this is day 60 today, yep. Congratulations. How are you finding it? Good. I mean, this is my second time doing it. Yep. So the no booze is pretty easy for a diet. I do no sugar. That's actually harder. But yeah, other than that, like the two exercise or two 45 minute workouts, pretty easy. And it's remembered and do the reading and the uh, daily selfie is yep. sometimes what throws me off. Yeah. The sim sometimes the simplest things are the ones that are the most difficult. Definitely. Yeah, I'm on day 61 right now. I started yeah. on, on the first and last couple of days I've been dragging. My second workout of the day has just been painful. It's been, you know, last night I was out there and going, oh God, I don't know if I can walk home. I was like, I was just struggling. So I'm at that point of the program where I, I'm hoping it's done soon. I mean, I am too, but uh, I mean, that, you just need a couple of dogs to walk in the evening and they'll pull you along. So, yeah, exactly. so they'll make sure you get home. Well, my puppy is getting a little bit old and he can only go for one walk a day and it's 45 minutes to stretch him now, so. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you know what? We could sit here and we could chat about the weather and, you know, we could talk about hockey and we could talk about interest rates that just, just went up just recently. We could talk about a whole bunch of stuff, but I feel I've got what I consider, you know, one of the most interesting people in real estate on the line here today. And I would be remiss not to really dive deep into the whole ocean and the whole world of who Mark Loeffler is. The Mark Loeffler Experience. Yes, sir. The Mark Loeffler Experience. That's a catchy title, isn't it? Well, I mean, I stole it from Joe Rogan, so. Well, yeah, he's doing something right, I guess. He's doing something right, yeah. Nobody's offered me $100 million yet, though. Yet, yet, yeah. Yet. So congratulations on your YouTube monetization. That was what, last year, wasn't it? Yeah, we've been monetized just over a year now. And are you actually making some money? It's like 500 bucks a month. Oh, well, that's fantastic. Well, it pays for the editor. It pays for some of the costs, right? Yeah. I mean, and obviously we get other things from there. We get real estate leads and, and whatnot that see us on there and then want to work with us to buy investment properties. So that obviously pays the bills. So <laughs> That's where the big bills are paid for. The, the $500 for the monetization pays for part of an editor. Right. And really the only reason monetize is so YouTube will expand your reach and push it out to more people. Oh, I did not know that. So yep. I just got monetized myself late last year. And, you know, I, I think I've made $37 so far. Congratulations. Well, there you go. It takes $100 before they actually will pay you, though. <laughs> yeah, so. you can almost get a case of beer. Almost. And and if you wait too long, it'll yeah. go up in price. Well, but not in Ontario, isn't it? Like a buck a beer or two bucks a beer out there or something? No, they have to pay whatever price. Uh, I forget what it is. It's yep. anyways, you, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, I hear you. I, hear you. I can't think of the word right now. They have to pay the wholesale price or the stuff like that at the beer store. Scheduled price. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, let's dive back. Are you okay if we take a little bit of 
backtrack into the way back time machine here a little We're bit. We're nostalgia, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while, and, and I'm going to just share, I met you quite a few different times, I believe, at this time, but the first time I ever really took a huge notice and a fan of what you were doing was probably one of the field trips that we were doing out in Eastern Canada with the Real, Real Estate Investment Network. And I think it was through the Durham area. I believe it was. I think it was Hamilton. It might have been Hamilton too. Like there was a couple of years you did that. Remember, yeah. But you just stood up. You were one of the bus leaders. You had the maps. You had an expertise. And I just got to go and I go, this, this guy knows what he's talking about. Not that I'm surprised, but that was the first time I really took notice of what you're doing. And and I just saw, I saw that it factor, that X factor. And in some people, you just don't know what it is, but they just have it. And I wonder sometimes if you could just bottle it sometimes. If you could bottle the it factor, the X factor, and just sell it, man, you we wouldn't be doing what we're doing now, wouldn't we? I don't know. I'd still be buying apartment buildings. Okay. I love apartment buildings, yeah. <laughs> nice. So let's go back. What was kind of the moment for you that you decided real estate was the path that you wanted to go down? Oh, I think I've known that I was going to buy investment properties since I was probably 18 or 19 years old. Basically, I saw that my grandfather bought a property in the 80s for $10,000. It was a lakefront property. It was next to our other cottage. And now it was worth like, I don't know, 250, 300,000. And I'm like, that just makes sense to me. So then I got started learning about that. I actually tried to buy my first investment property in Toronto at Gerard and Woodfield, which is like Greenwood area when I was like 19 and it was $170,000. That's like probably $2 million now, but I couldn't do it because I couldn't figure out the financing and I just couldn't figure out all the stuff at 19 years old. And then I just learned and then I bought my first couple of properties. I think I was 23 or 24. That's when I joined Rain after I bought three properties. Wow. So you started buying when you're in your early 20s. So now you're like in your early 30s. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. 20 yeah. years ago. So 23 plus 20, yeah, early 30s. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the extent of our math here. Everyone's got to go on. They're, they're listening and watching this going, oh, that math doesn't work out. Well, sure it does. That's old guy math. <laughs> that math does help you buy more apartment buildings, though. <laughs> yes, it does. It absolutely does. Yeah. Okay, so you started early 20s. You became a member of the Real Estate Investment Network. And then you, you went down a couple different paths. You became known mm -hmm. as like Mr. Rent-to-Own. And then you became known as Mr. Fix-and-Flip. And then you became known as the condo converter. And now you're known as like Mr. Tycoon in, in apartment buildings. Walk me through the journey that you took. Yeah. So, I mean, I started with uh, duplexes in Newmarket, Ontario. I bought the cheapest ones I could find. So comparable properties were selling for 250 I was buying for 200 And you know what? I'd go in and do the work myself, fix them up, rent them out. I did three or four of those. I bought my own principal property in Toronto. And then, you know, obviously I ran out of capital. And then I started going to rain and other things. And it's like, oh, you should get investors. So I got investors and started investing, you know, more in New Market in Cornwall, Ontario, and Toronto. Yeah, and then I figured out I didn't really want to work a day job, and I figured, okay, well, what in real estate investing can allow me to quit my day job so I can be full time in real estate investing? And rent to own was one of those. I figured out that if I found great uh, rent to own tenants, people would pay me for that, either. I, which we would charge a tenant location fee and we could charge a joint venture partner that because it was a lot of work and a lot of effort to get those tenants. And, you know, we were paying pay-per-click and like ads and that type of thing. And that's, yeah, then it became, I did rent to own for, whew, I don't know, three to five years. It's such a blur, right? So yeah, you were kind of the pioneer of rent to own in Canada, if you will. Well, I mean, I, I learned it from Richard Bai, who was in Rain. Yeah, he's the one that he was like the godfather of it. And I just uh, ripped off and duplicated what he was doing and <laughs> made it a little bit bigger. And then when you're starting to do something on a bigger scale, people will come and ask you, hey, what are you doing? And then I obviously I was like, OK, well, I don't want to tell everyone individually. So, you know, I'll either do a course or I'll write a book. Yeah. Did you learn it from Richard, the tenant first strategy? Is that what you learned did you learn that from him too? Or is that kind of your spin on it? And you, you actually gave it the name, the e-harmony of real estate way back in the day. 
That's correct. No, no, that was, uh, he would buy the house and then find the tenant. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what happens if I find the tenant first and go that way? So that's, yeah, we did tenant first and the e-harmony of real estate. <laughs> I didn't remember that one, but that he must've gone back and looked through the book. There was a matching program. You just found the person and matched them with the house and then you called it. Yeah. It's like the e-harmony of real estate. And I remember everybody just burst out laughing because it just made sense now. Yeah. Now it'd be the Tinder. I guess, yes, Rumble, it would be Tinder. Yeah, yeah. You'd swipe right. Yeah. <laughs> Is it right right or left? Or I, I have no idea. I don't know. I'm not allowed to go on those. <laughs> well, the only thing I know about Tinder was I just watched that Netflix thing about the Tinder swindler. I don't know if you ever saw that just recently. I watched like five minutes of that. I yeah. couldn't get into it. No, <laughs> but that's about the only thing I've ever really found out about that whole thing. Yeah. Okay, so rent to own. Why did you stop doing rent to own? Yeah, why did I stop doing rent to own? To be honest with you, it's a lot of work to find the tenants. And so in the meantime, I wrote the book, uh, Investing Rent to Own Properties, Complete Canadian Guide. After that, I got my real estate license. And basically, so I was still doing rent to owns and here and there. And it slowly diminished over time. I had some partners who were helping me uh, build out some stuff. And then they kind of went off to other projects. And I kind of found Hamilton and I was basically, okay, well, let's go fix up a bunch of stuff in Hamilton and just buy. And we were doing Burr when Burr wasn't a thing, right? Yeah. Back when it was just, you know, buy real estate, fix it up, add value, make money. That's right. right. Yeah. But it didn't sound catchy like Burr, right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I had Quinton on here too. And it's, it's funny how all the all the old strategies that we were using way back in the day, we should have just coined them and put trademarks on them and just put little TMs or copyrights on them. We'd have a, a, another complete uh, source of revenue, wouldn't we, Mark? That's right. Yeah, another passive source. Yep. All right. So then you started, you got into Hamilton back when I, it was probably when Don said, you know, Hamilton's the place to be. And everybody started laughing a little bit on there. And and you got in and you were buying apartment buildings and you were you know, fixing them up and converting them and selling them. Tell us about what you did in Hamilton. Well, basically, yeah, I was buying triplexes and fourplexes. And my line was, hey, if you find a fire damage, crack infested, uh, bed bugs, cockroaches, you know, you name it, flood damage falling down property that's you know bring it to me we will deal with everything and you don't have to and i got a lot of those properties and so i was yeah i was dealing with a lot of three to four unit properties and again we would just turn over those three to four unit properties basically lipstick and like just fixing up problems usually just taking out a lot of trash and that got me going and then it got me into buying crappy apartment buildings. My first crappy apartment building was a vacant 18 unit that we bought for $600,000. And we put a million dollars into renovating it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so 1.6 in, we got to reevaluate it at 2.3 at the time, which was an unheard of price with CMHC for Hamilton at the time. And then, yeah, we just I just kept going down that path. And you know, I've bought and sold, I don't know, 15 apartment buildings in Hamilton over that time. Wow. So I would imagine doing tenant first rent to owns. I think you just answered the question why you probably stopped doing rent to owns. Just do one deal as a realtor and, and a couple apartment buildings and you probably made more than all your rent to own deals put together. Well, that and the other thing with rent to own is at the end of the day, it's an exit strategy. I think you told me yeah, that. Yeah, it's a selling strategy. Yeah. It's a selling strategy. And I got tired of selling stuff. <laughs> or selling it when I didn't want to. Yeah. Right? So I wasn't in control of when I wanted to sell it. So maybe I wanted to hold it for more equity gain over the time. But I didn't have that choice because I was contractually obligated. Yeah. So I'd rather have that control and buy and hold or sell it whenever I want to. Yep. Now, did you contract your purchase price at the very beginning of your rent owns? I did. Yeah. In some cases, did your tenants make more money than you did on the rent own? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> did. Yeah. Especially if you lock in your price in an appreciating marketplace, by the time the tenant closes, they're very motivated to close if the appraised value comes in significantly higher than what they're contracted to buy it at. Yep. But that's so old school now, eh, Mark? You're, you're just buying things, renovating things. So when did you and Ian write the book Fix and Flip? Oh, geez. So Rent to Own came out 13 years ago. Okay. I think Fix and Flip, it's nine or 10 years now. Wow. It's been a while. Yeah. 
But yeah, Ian and I were working on uh, fix and flip together yeah. while I was buying apartments too. And I still, I mean, he still does a lot more fix and flip than I do. Yeah. I like to hold a little bit more. Yeah, I like. I always remember we'd go out to you know Whitby area and we'd go see Ian's, and he was oh no yeah just put a little top up on that. I mean, what do you mean top up? Oh, we just rip this off to this, add another floor to this building, move it up and house, and it's just like oh just a little top up. <laughs> right? I just built a new house here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, I'm tearing this down. I'm like, oh, okay, what are you doing? Oh yeah, I'm just gonna build a house, and in two weeks there's a new house there. I'm like, <laughs> come build something for me. <laughs> but no, no. <laughs> If you do run into Zabo, tell him uh, I want him on my podcast. He keeps saying he's he's not ready to be on the podcast yet. But I say, Ian, you're more than ready. You're you have a story that I want I want to share. The secret is you got to show up to his in his neighborhood in a convertible and make him sit down in your car and just do it <laughs> on your iPhone. That's what I did with him. Or get the short bus out and get on there. And, and last time I was out in that area, we got on the short bus. And I think it was the day that weed was localized or legalized, I should say. Not that we partook, but I was just, yeah. uh, we were out there on the short bus and he had the, that helmet. That <laughs> it was, it's just so much Ian. I miss him. I miss my good friend Ian. Yeah. So he has a cottage on my lake now. So I see him all the time. Nice. Nice. Yeah. All right. So, Ballpark it for me before you're into this latest chapter of yours. How many places, units, did you buy in the Hamilton area? Oh, geez. It's over 200, maybe 250. I, I don't even know at this point, to be honest with you. Okay. Maybe even closer to 300 now that I think about it. <laughs> so uh, people that are either watching this or listening to this going, yeah, I hope I get to the point in my real estate career, I forget how many properties I've bought. <laughs> Markets, it's just because you've taken so much action. It's not because of the old age, right? That's correct. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I never really like thought about once they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. Like I can't lament that I sold that building for a million dollars and now it's worth three. That's not mine. I don't care. Like good for whoever bought it, right? Yeah. So I don't ever think about how many have I. I know I sold a portfolio of 160 units last year because that's still fresh in my mind. I know how many I own right now. How many have in Hamilton right now? So just Hamilton, I have... It's I'm down to like 25 units right now. 25 units, okay. Yeah. But you made quite the splash and quite the uh, proclamation about I'm selling my Hamilton properties. You were selling your Hamilton properties when a whole bunch of people were looking to buy more properties. Why would you do that, Mark? Well, I always like to leave a little bit left on the table for somebody. Yeah. Also, I saw a great opportunity out in Edmonton. So I wanted to move the money. That's like a swear word out in Ontario, as people will argue with you about Alberta going out west or leaving Ontario. What made you decide to do that? So anybody who's invested there in the last 15 years, they all forewarned. But I forget who said to me, he's like, Mark, if there's anybody who's going to make money in Alberta, it's you. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I mean, so far, so good. Is that just because you're just going to not take no for an answer and just keep grinding away until you make it work? I don't think so. I mean, we just looked at the fundamentals, right? Like just going back to the fundamentals and it's like, okay, well, you guys peaked in 2014 after your 05, like you guys had a really good 05, 06 run. It kind of went down and did whatever. And after the economic collapse or whatever happened in 09 there you guys came back up a little bit in 2014 and then it's not even back at that where it was then right so you you account for inflation you account for everything and it's like i can't build those units for what i'm buying them for i can't buy the land i can't build the buildings i can't even what, what i buy them for and what i renovate them for i still can't like build those for that right Wow. So it's like there's something has to give. And you look at everybody else has had this huge run up in prices in Canada, except for the prairies. Yeah, it's been flat for better part. In some cases, I would even say 13, 14 years in many cases. Yeah. I have some properties that I bought in 07, 08 that I can't sell them for what I bought them for 13, 14 years later. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm buying properties from people who bought them in 2014. And they're taking a loss. In Canadian real estate, if you will, people will say that's unheard of. But here's the funny thing is most people, in my opinion, do the opposite of what they should do. 
they buy at a peak and sell at a bottom in many cases, mm -hmm. right? And look at you, Mr. 20 plus years in the business, you're selling at a peak and you're buying at a bottom. Only time will tell if it's true. Yeah, I mean, that's one of my favorite saying, hey, time will tell. Yeah. And hmm. I think I'm buying these at a good enough price. And I mean, the renovations that we're doing, like we're adding economic life to these buildings, huge. So like, even if I just have to hold on to them, my cap rates are going to be north of 10%. Do you have some numbers in front? Oh, I, I know I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. I can talk numbers. Let's talk Don Campbell's building I bought last April. Okay. What did you buy it for? What did you do to it so far? Which one was that? It's Fair Tree or Fairfield. I don't even know if that's the one, but that's right. what we're doing in all the units. Yep. So you're taking old 1980s properties. 1960s, yeah. 1960s to 1980s. That The interesting thing is in Edmonton, especially, that was a boom of construction yep. around the early 80s. So you will find most of the inventory of multifamily apartment buildings are of that vintage because that's when there was a big giant construction boom and that's when everybody built their properties. Yep. And a lot of those properties are still owned by the same people that built them back in the 80s and they've been free or clear for like 20 years. So we're, we just got one under contract yesterday and it's from the original builder. Right. But why don't we walk through that one? What are you paying for that one? Uh, 95 a door, 20 units. 95 a door, 20 units. What area of Edmonton? Do you know offhand? 84th Street. 84. Okay. It starts with a C. I forget. I was talking to someone today about it, but I'm horrible with names of like the little regions. Yep. Oh, Claire is not Clairview, Claremont. Cole something. I don't know. Yeah. But Don's was Queen Mary Park. It's, it's all, they're all close to that, right? Yep. So, yep. The 106 and, and 84th. Okay, so 95 a door. As is, where is? Is it going to cash flow or what kind of money are you putting in per door into the property? Well, it won't cash flow because there's 13 vacancies. <laughs> 13 out of 20 are vacant, okay? Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be hard to cash flow. But I tell you, yeah. probably the guy that owned it free and clear probably was cash flowing at those. Oh, 100%. Like he's yeah. collecting $7,000 a month in rent. Yeah. So he's like, whatever. Yeah, anyways, and... To be honest with you, I prefer getting a vacant building. Right. Well, you can actually evict a tenant in Alberta too, but I digress. We'll talk about that well, another time here. That's true. I mean, we can, we can talk about my other buildings that I bought that were crack, head infested, drug dealers, you know, all these problems. And you get everyone out within three to four months. Right. But this one is nice and clean. I can just show up day one and start renovating units. Okay. So you're buying for 95 a door. Yeah. What kind of... Uh, ballpark renovation package are you estimating to put in? I'm going to budget $750. i have not seen the roof or windows yet, but we if there's any issues, we just replace those. Yep. And then about $30,000 per unit. And that includes my interior costs of uh, like if I put new vinyl down in the hallways or, or whatnot. Okay, so that $750 includes the $30,000 per unit, or is that over and yes. above? Okay. No, no, no. That, that includes everything. So $750,000, 20 units? Yep. You're putting approximately $37,500 per unit all in, everything like that? Yep. Okay. Because in multifamily, we all, as we know, it gets valued based upon the income and the expenses and the net operating income. What do you think you're going to be raising the NOI on that building to? I mean, here's the thing. I can tell you, you can just go over to my um, YouTube channel uh, tomorrow night and you can watch because that's I'm going <laughs> to be running the numbers on it. Okay. So I really haven't actually ran the numbers on this yet. I bought it sight unseen. Basically, my agent said, hey, this came off market. We can probably get it at this door. And I said, hey, let's put an offer and then we'll run the numbers. So I did run the numbers on basically what they were getting at rents right now. I average rents over all the units. And I'm basically buying it at like an eight cap. Okay. So just some quick math. If you bought it at 1.9, and if you do put 750 into it, you'll be into it for 2.65, give or take, right? Yeah. And do you have a ballpark estimation about what you can probably refinance it after it's all said and done, give or take? Yeah, it's going to be like 3.2 to 3.4. Okay. So there's $600,000 of spread there, give or take? 
Yeah, and that's that's a low estimate. It just really depends if what the market does, and that's CMHC's valuation, not yep. what I could probably sell it for. So, right, because we're going to try for the ninety five percent financing, fifty year amortization. Because why wouldn't you? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, because <laughs> then you can pull out an awful lot more at the same time, and the cash flow numbers just get ridiculous once you apply fifty year amortization to it. So good. It makes me think of the days when we used to get. A- 100% financing and 40-year uh, AMs back here. Yes, in a, a very tight cash flow situation that works. And in yeah. one where you hope that you actually have some mortgage pay down, it, it's quite painful when the interest rates were a little higher and you were only getting like about $700 of mortgage pay down a year. Yeah, but we were actually cash flowing on stuff in Hamilton back then, right? Like, oh, yeah. we had 100% financing. So it was golden back then when we could do it. Nice. So, okay. So you're... Is the plan with this property to do the renovation package, get new tenants in, normalize it, refinance it, pull your capital out, and then just wait? Like, what's the plan that you're doing here, Mark? Yeah, I mean, we have a five to seven year time horizon that we're looking at in Alberta right now. So we're, yeah, I mean, we think obviously Alberta is slated to lead the country in economic growth over the next five years. And we think there's going to be a bit of a runaway after that. So we will buy as much as we can in the next two to three years and then do the same renovate just burr them and hold them and then sell them into the boom okay how are you getting the capital to close on these properties mark i know it's just probably in your left hip pocket there is it not sometimes well you you sold a good portion of your portfolio to probably free up some powder to move to another market yeah but everything we've done right now has been with partners so we brought partners in on every deal yeah, joint venture partners, capital partners. Joint venture partners, capital partners, yeah. Okay. Do you mind me asking how you structure it with them? Sure. We work with accredited investors Yep. and we do a corporate structure. We limit under 10 investors. Like on a 19 unit, we just did the raise was 1.2 million. So everybody, the minimum was $200,000. And one guy came in for half a mil and another guy for three and two other people for 200,000. So we had four investors on that deal and they just own their percentage of shares and we do all the work and yeah, get it done, refinance, away we go. What do you offer for the split within that structure? So they vary. Yep. We've done a couple different things. One, we did a 25% equity stake, but an 8% preferred return. Those are for buildings we know we can turn pretty quickly. Then stuff that we, like this one had a a five-year mortgage that we assumed with CMHC on it. So we did a 50-50 split, but no preferred rate of return. So do you have a a business partner as well? Or is it, so you and your your team, 50%, your capital partners get the other 50%, they put up the capital. Did you put any capital as well? Other than maybe some diligence costs or deposit money or something? So we put that up front and then we recoup that when the project is funded. Okay, so that's on the acquisition. Does that also include all the renovation money? Do you raise that at the beginning or do you borrow that? So it depends. Yep. Sometimes we raise it, sometimes we borrow it. Okay. Like on this uh, 20 unit that we're buying right now, we're talking about getting 85% first financing and then 85 to 90% of all construction costs to be financed as well. And we're looking at like a rate of five and a half to seven percent interest only. So this wasn't the one you assumed the financing. This is on this new latest purchase. So you're going to apply for non-CMHC financing right now. Yep. Who do you use to do that at the moment? Chase Allen from ICI. We're just trying him out. Oh, yeah, he's they're good. Um Nadim is very good as well. Chase has done a lot of good work for people too. So yep. good. Who's your realtor? Are you using Chris? Oh, Chris Davies, yeah. Yeah, he's a rock star. He's actually on the po- scheduled to get on the podcast as well, too. So There you go. He, he's. I'm going to get my real estate license in Alberta, and he's going to let me join his team. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Look at you guys partnering up here. Powerhouse. Mm-hmm. That's good. I, and I'm glad we're having this conversation because one of the things that I wanted to see and wanted to hear about was I'm a fan of new construction a lot more than buying older and renovating from things. Because up until just recently, I wasn't seeing the value lift. Yeah. 
for example, up until maybe just a year ago or half a year ago, those properties that you would have bought for 95, put 30 in, you're into it for 125. After refi, they're maybe worth 129, <laughs> right? Yep. So the margin is just not there for getting a value lift. That's correct. Just yeah. recently, and we're just starting to see that again. Finally, to the point where you can actually probably pick up a property, put money into it, and it's going to be significantly worth more after you're done the work than just the amount of money you put into it. Well, I was a little shocked when I first went to Edmonton and I was like, okay, you know what? I'm buying this 15 unit. I'm going to be out here. I have a crew. I have a team. So why am I not buying some of these smaller things? Like I'll, I'll buy some duplexes, fourplexes. But again, there was no value lift. They were showing me something that was like 600,000. If I put a hundred grand in, it was worth 700. And I'm like, <laughs> that makes no sense. Why would anybody do that? And they're like, oh, people do that all the time. I'm like, uh, not me. Yeah. I'll just continue buying apartment buildings because, yeah. I mean, my worst case scenario on on Don's when I bought it was, okay, I'm going to get 98% of all the money out. Right. And that's if nothing happens in the economy, if rents don't go up out there, if the vacancy rate doesn't come down, if things don't get compressed a little bit, then I'm 98%. Yep. Yep. And now the market's gone up since then. So... I will be able to refi. And obviously this 95% thing came in. So that helped too. Yeah, absolutely. Are you still looking yeah. at buying, Mark? Obviously. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, we just closed 59 units on February 14th. This 20 unit closes at the beginning of May. Yeah. And the only reason I say that is I just had a conversation with a friend of mine that has a 30 unit apartment building in Edmonton. And and I said to him, I go, geez, I go, you'd be quite surprised at what the values and how fast these things go. And he goes, really? People would buy it? And I go, all day long. So if, if you're interested, I can make the connection if you'd like. Let's do it. 95 a door. Done. <laughs> I don't know if he would do that. But at the end of the day, I imagine it would be market value right now. And, yeah. and that's what you're paying is you're paying based upon what the value is today, putting some time and effort and capital into fixing it up and you're refinancing it, what value will be after. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No different than what a lot of, you know, some of the projects my business partner Jay and I are doing. And what we're looking at is we're doing some, some brand new, like Jay just put together, I think it was a 60 unit townhome complex where nice. a group of doctors that all came together, pooled their money and Jay went and found the lots, found the land, found all that, got the builders in place, got all that together. And he is a brokering the deal plus being part of it as well. Nice. So there's an awful lot. Like Mark, you can buy a, a brand new construction townhome. We were just looking at a couple the other day. For low 300s, you can build eight of them. Freehold, brand new, three-story townhomes for three and change out in Edmonton right now. That's my cost or that's how much it costs me to build? That's what, no, that's what your price is. That's my price. That's what I'm buying. That's what you're buying the end product at. So I don't know if you remember way back in the day, I used to sell a lot of $150,000 townhouse condos in yeah. Hamilton. And we were just looking the other day at in the Quigley area. I don't know if you remember that from the, the bus tour, but they were selling for 140, 150 grand. Now they're selling over 800. So just compare that freehold, brand new out in Alberta, rather than 40, 50 years old in Hamilton, which is yeah. still good, but yeah. Well, the the play is you go and you buy all eight. There are four in the front, four in the back. And the beautiful part about them is they're all individually metered. You don't have to worry about boilers and all that kind of stuff with things. You get all eight of them. You get it on one CMHC mortgage. You hang on to them for, say, five, seven years. Then you start the process of subdividing. And then over a course of two to three years, you sell a couple off at a time. And then you don't have to put a condo corp in place until you have less than 50% ownership. Oh, is that how that works out there? Yep. Typically, yes. Okay. And then by the time year 10 rolls around, you've exited before any of those maintenance things need to be taken care of, like some roofs and some hot water tanks and all that kind of stuff. And you just pass that on to the next owners. Yep. And you don't have to have any strata fee. You don't have to have... They're all freehold, right? So there's, there's a lot of really cool interesting opportunities in Edmonton. And I'm glad that buying the apartment buildings and 
bringing them back to life is a good opportunity again. So I'm, I'm very yeah. happy for you. This is awesome. Good for you, Mark. Yeah. I mean, Edmonton reminds me a lot about ha like Hamilton did like 12, 14 years ago. It feels the exact same well, when I go out there. You know, it's funny when you start hearing the comparisons. Of, oh, well, it's just going to become like the next Vancouver or the price is going to be like Toronto next is usually when it's the, the top of a marketplace. <laughs> yeah. But right now I had, and maybe it might be just before this or the, or the episode before this, I had uh, Ben Rabadou. And he's an, he's a researcher with Edge Analytics out in Ontario. And he was just yep. sharing that Calgary and Edmonton are the hottest places to invest your money based upon how underperforming they've been for the last decade. And just even to get up to just normal growth is a huge lift, not to mention all the pent-up lift that's still to happen after that. Well, I mean, with what did oil hit today? $110 a barrel? Yeah, well, there's a few uh, factors that play at that, isn't there, at the moment? Yes, a few. Yeah. So suffice it to say, you're on the prowl and looking in, in Edmonton. Is it Edmonton? Like, why Edmonton, not Calgary? I mean, I really like Calgary. The problem with Calgary is they don't not have a lot of multifamilies. And I don't want to, if I wanted to spend two hundred fifty to $300,000 a door, I'd probably just do it in Ontario. Right. Okay. I did. I've had a couple offers in on properties in, in Calgary, but I just have not got to their price point yet so and what did you do in canmore you picked up something in canmore too didn't you yeah i have a i bought a condo in canmore and it's m more for personal use like we'll be out there next week skiing in banff but we do rent it when we're not there airbnb um yeah. i don't know if you remember leslie she runs bow vacation rentals so she manages all that for me she's a former rain member too but yeah so she manages all that for me and it you know what here's the thing it cash flows and i use it a couple times I use it once a month type thing and it still cost me nothing to own it. So I really enjoy that. Nice, nice. And you couldn't get a nicer place to kind of go hang out as well, eh? Oh, man. Those are real mountains, aren't they, Mark? A hundred percent real mountains, not Blue Mountain for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I go out there, I just don't want to leave. Nice. Summer is just as nice. Winter is amazing. It's a beautiful place. I didn't know that summer was the high time there. Yeah, some of the world-famous golf courses in that area, oh, too. Golf was amazing, but hiking, like river rafting, kayaking, anything to do with water sports there, yeah. it's unbelievable. Like, I, they charge more in the summertime than they do in the wintertime. And I was like, I just want to go skiing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. So anything you want to say a little bit more? I, I, I don't, I'm not going to end the conversation. I have more I want to ask you is because when you have the most interesting man in real estate on the line, you, you want to hang on to him and keep asking him questions. But is there anything more you want to say about your pivot strategy into Alberta? We do a little bit more than, than the normal person when we renovate. Like when we first saw Chris and he had his apartment and they were renovating a unit, they would paint the old cabinets. They might put some flooring down or something. But we go in, we take out a wall between the kitchen and the living room. We open it up. We put a nice island in. Uh, we put brand new Ikea or like in there. And we use uh, granite countertops, put a dishwasher in. We put laundry in each unit. So we are improving the quality of these units and we're getting better rents. They're not moving up as much as we would if we were in Ontario because we don't have that lag factor with uh, rental control. But like we're still increasing rents on these properties 40 to 50%. Wow. What I was actually just going to ask you is, are you seeing a good uptick? Because sometimes maybe you're pushing the boundary of what the market will bear for quality in some of those areas too. Yeah, and maybe a little, but what we're finding is the tenants that we're getting yep. are unbelievable. And they love living in our properties. So they're never going to leave. And I don't have that same problem I have in Ontario that I can increase rents 1.2%. So I increased rents 45% in, in Don's building, let's say. I'm not worried that in a year, rents go up 50% or 10% or whatever. I just, okay, great. Pass on the rental increase and, and away I go, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's what I was about to just say, you know, so help me with my math here. And I know math is a challenge sometimes. So are you saying 40 and 50% is more than 1.2? Yeah. Is that what you're trying to say? Just a little more. Just a little? Yeah. <laughs> However, they're still lower. The rent is still lower in Alberta than it is in Ontario. Well, I mean, 
Yeah, one of the biggest interesting facts about Edmonton is it has this higher household income than Toronto. Significantly. And the rents are yeah. less than half. Average rents are less than half. And they also have le- pay less taxes, so they can actually afford more money for rent. So that's what I keep telling people is, I go, if any place you can raise rents, raise it in an area that people can afford to pay it. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. And it's the biggest thing is like affordable rents has to be under $1,600 per month there. Yeah. And we're well under that. So I'm like, okay, we're, we're helping affordability. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. So that that's like for that CMHC program, isn't that to be 30% of the average income for the area? Is that not correct? Yeah. Which is $1,600 per month and where we're buying. <laughs> and some of those are maybe nine to $1,100 in rent at the moment. Yeah. So, I mean, we're getting 1200 to the 1350 for one or nice. two bedrooms on our wow. nicer units, right? Uh, you, you are definitely pushing the market in those areas. I'm familiar with those areas. And to get those kind of rents as you're starting to push it. Nice. Well done. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you, you create nice things. People want nice things, right? I 100% agree. That's I, what I yeah. find when I buy and build my new construction homes. When people take a look at other things and then they go see, oh, you mean I get I get this place to myself? There isn't 20 other units. I get my own parking spot. And it's brand new? Yeah, sign me up. I'll pay the $1,100, $1,200, right? Yeah. You get a different tenant profile. You get a completely different tenant profile from, and I know this sounds really bad, but a different tenant profile that can afford $1,300 versus somebody that can afford $800. Yep. And I know that's not a big difference. And that's what my property manager said the other, he said, he goes, he goes, we don't want to lower our rents. I go, why not? I go, I want to fill a unit. I had one unit left of all my, the filling goes, because don't lower your rents because we, you will attract a completely different type of person you don't want. So keep it high, wait a month, wait two months, keep it high. I go, okay, let's go. There you go. Construction team and the work and management. How are you finding that out there? Yeah, I mean, we have a great team. What's JP and Remy's Remy Noel? Name? Yeah, you know him? Yep, know him quite well. Yeah, so they're our construction team, JP and Remy. I mean, Remy just had a kid, so I don't know how much he's doing at the moment. But I think uh, they have like six or seven, or they have a, uh, quite a few. <laughs> you know those French Canadians, right? So Well, between him and also Chris, what does Chris have, like five? Five kids or something? Chris has a lot, and Luke has a lot. <laughs> I don't know what they put in the water out there. Jeez. It's cold winters, my friend. <laughs> that, that must be what it is. And then uh, we just actually moved uh, property management companies to Greystone. So we've been happy so far. It's been a couple of weeks. So yep. we got fired from our first property management company. Oh, you got fired. <laughs> we got fired. Yep. You had too high of expectation. No, they didn't believe us when we told them we were going to buy the worst shit in, yep. in Edmonton. <laughs> And then they got frustrated because we kept buying horrible shit. And we're like, well, we told you our business plan. Just go in and kick everyone out. We don't care. Like they're, they go to the outreach program, have them help us place these tenants. Cause you know, the building's basically condemned and let's fix it. That was the plan, but yep. they didn't like that. So, well, you know, but obviously, as you said earlier, we're going to use the same quote, only time will tell if that market will command a higher tenant profile in that area. And if you just keep putting good product, you will attract more good tenants. But hopefully you can outlast the tenant profile, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah, ho- hopefully Main Street starts doing renovations like we are, and then that, that would change a whole bunch of stuff, right? Yeah. And for some of you that are Main Street is the, one of the largest landlords in Canada, Bob Dylan. Is it Main Street Equity or Main Street REIT or something like that? I don't even know, to be honest with you. I just know Main Street. Uh, every time we drive around, Chris, Main Street, Main Street, Main Street, Main Street. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I get it. Well, that's what a strategy one of my, a good friend of mine and a mentor of mine once said. He goes, he goes, you want to know the best strategy and how to buy multifamily properties in a town? You find, sorry, if if anyone property managers are listening, but you find the worst property management companies in the town and you target their buildings. And then yep. you buy those ones and then you put the best management company to manage them and then you put your, your renovation package in place. That's what we're doing. Yep. Well, that's awesome, Mark. Okay, so next line of question, if you don't mind if I pivot a little bit from here, would be as follows. 
you're a busy guy. You know, you're a realtor, you're social media expert, you're a YouTube I, I would, star. I would say a social media darling. <laughs> darling. Okay. Oh, yes. Darling. Nice. Yeah, social nice. media darling. Darling. You're doing <laughs> podcasts and you're on this and you're, you know, you're making to all the kids sports and hockey games and, and soccer games and you're buying multifamilies, you're converting all these kind of things. How the heck do you find time to do all this, Mark? I just uh, leverage other people's time. That's the number one thing I do. I, I leverage other people's time. And then when they get super busy, I'm like, okay, great. We need to hire somebody for that position. Like right. as of right now, we're hiring a COO of our business. And basically their job is going to be to oversee all of the administrative side of our business, plus to hire anybody we need in those positions. Wow. So you prescribe to the build the team, the who, not how process. In essence, who not how Dan Sullivan. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's a pivotal book. Something I recommend to everybody. All my coaching clients, we try to live by that model while they're along. So all those medals over your, is it your left shoulder, or your right shoulder, which shoulder? This one. Those right. ones. Left. What are those? Are you a triathlete or a marathon? Or what are you doing there? Oh, there's various things there. There's uh triathlons, there's running races, there's a whole bunch of triathlons, half marathons. When did you get started down that path? Uh, about five years ago, I started doing uh, triathlons. So I was part of a networking group uh, called Go Abundance for, for successful guys. And one of the guys is like, hey, we're going to all do this half Ironman in St. George, Utah at this time. And I'm just like, okay, I can do that. Yep. And I was like, I went and I'm like, oh, well, I mean, I think I can do that, but I should probably get a coach. So I went and interviewed a coach, a bunch of coaches, and they're all like, why'd you pick that one? It's the hardest race there is. I'm like, number one, I didn't pick it. <laughs> number two is I think I'll be okay, but I think coaching would be a, a good idea. So you just went down, you just decided to do it. And were you ever a runner or a cycler or a swimmer before that? So I, I swam in high school. Yeah. And then I, I've always been a runner. I've always dabbled at running. Like I ran a couple half marathons and marathons here and there, but never really trained. And yeah, biking, I hadn't done since I was in, a kid, really. So yeah, I had to go learn and do all that. Like I, I liked the premise and I was always looking for something to do after being a, a rugby player. So you can't play rugby all your life. Hang on, turn your head a little bit there. You can actually fit earbuds in your ears in rugby, but there's no, no, no cauliflower, no cauliflower ears. ears. No, Come I on. didn't stick my head in the scrums, so... <laughs> <laughs> you didn't stick your head where it didn't belong? <laughs> no, I was a flanker. I was on the outside. Oh, you were the pretty boy on the outside. You were the glory boy that came in and, and got all the points, right? Well, flankers do all the tackling and get all the points. So, Well, that's right. They, they're they the most yeah. important, right? So, Yep. That makes sense, my brother. So, guys, we're just here, here with Mark Loeffler here today. We're just bringing a whole bunch of fire today. So, everybody, make sure you comment always make sure you thumbs up and subscribe and hit the bell notification, right? Just to make sure you do it. Is that 1 million subscribers you got on there? Yeah, that's I made that up, by the way. Yes. That's your goal? <laughs> well, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? That we all could just sit back here and just produce a video once a you know, couple times a week and just have uh, those half million dollar um, YouTube royalty checks roll in, eh? That'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> and then we could definitely just be dropping a whole bunch of bombs here, if you will, right? Just like, there we go. There you go. <laughs> Finally bringing some bombs. Okay. So, Mark, what's next for you? You've started investing fairly early. You've written books. You've uh, pioneered a, a concept in Canada, if you will, rent to own. And, and you've and done first, fix and yeah. flips. You've gone into... Hamilton's, you're now buying more apartment buildings. What's next for you after all this? Like, what's the next trick? I don't know. I'm just going to continue buying apartment buildings in Edmonton for the near future. I keep my eye on the U.S. market. So if I do see something down there, maybe I'll pick something up. But it seems a little overheated at this time. But the fundamentals in most areas seem pretty strong. So I'm kind of on the fence there. But if I see the right deal, I will pick something up. Yep. As for sports, I'm doing a half Ironman in Victoria in May. I got a 24-hour mountain bike race in June. Do a couple of 150-kilometer adventure races through the wilderness in, in Ontario. I might run a 50-kilometer race in November. I'm going to go skiing next week in Banff. Yeah, we're growing the real estate team here in Ontario. 
You're like the Canadian David Goggins here. Uh, I don't think so. I don't swear as much as he does. And You're not uh, that hardcore? No, I'm not that hardcore. Yeah. Well, yeah, he just physically looks for the most impossible things and says, okay, now that's what I'm going to do next, right? So well, that's you at least have some enjoyment in what you're going to do. That's right. That's right. If I don't enjoy it, why, why bother? But yeah, I mean, the 100 kilometers I ran the one time, that wasn't really enjoyable. Or the three <laughs> days after that I was in bed. <laughs> 100 kilometers to run. Holy moly. That's yeah. crazy. That's crazy. I think I just, I walked this past month 250 kilometers. There you go. But that was over 25 days. I think I did it in 25 days. Well, I mean, we have the Goggins Challenge this weekend. You can do it with us. <laughs> it's four miles for every four hours for 48 hours. Four miles for four. Holy. <laughs> we run a little bit longer because we want to run two marathons in yeah. two days. So we'll run 85 kilometers. Oh, it's crazy. You're, you're days, insane, yeah. my brother. You're insane. Uh, Mark, where's the best place for somebody to get a hold of you? Yeah, look me up on YouTube, the yep. Mark Loeffler Experience, or Instagram, uh, Live in the Dream 40. Those are the two best places to find me. And hang on a sec here. I'm just going to pull up your, your YouTube channel. Here it is. What is the name of the Mark Loeffler Experience? Is YouTube. Mark and Loeffler you're doing an amazing yeah, job, up. Mark. You're doing an amazing job. You've got your, don't take this the wrong way, you've got your clickbait titles and clickbait thumbnails down. Because at the end of the day, that's what well, it's the about. The problem is if you don't do it, nobody clicks on it. What's wrong with people? You can have the best, most helpful video in the world. And if you don't have a clickbaity title or, or crazy thumbnail, nobody, looks at it. nobody will even look at it, right? That's crazy. Yep. That's where I've just been with mine. I'm actually starting to hype up some of my content a little bit more and take it some, you know, instead of having what it's about is, you know, how to flip houses for fun and profit. So the next one I'm going to put out is how to make $390,000 flip on one deal, right? Or something, right? Yep. So, so you know, you're doing a hell of a job, Mark. Um, and I'm not blowing you, smoke sir. and sunshine. It's, um, it's great to see, you know, sorry if this sounds bad, but old dog, new trick. You're, you're doing an amazing job with it. I mean, you're doing a very good job on your Instagram as well. So Thank you. it's a great thing. And uh, if somebody is interested in maybe some of your broker services and things like that, where would be the, is it Catano? Catano Loeffler. Yep. Catano Loeffler, realtyservices.com. Yeah. So it's on the screen right now. If any of you are interested in connecting with Mark and finding a out where he's going, but I highly encourage you to subscribe to his YouTube channel. It's entertaining. It's timely. It's like, some days I sit there, I go, I have this video idea. And I'm going, oh, that would be awesome to shoot. And then all of a sudden, the next day, Mark's already published a video. I'm just, <laughs> forget it. <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. Uh, no, Mark, in this game, it's about the speed of implementation is really what it is. True. So one of the things I've tried to do is I go, well, maybe I'll just, not that yours isn't quality and high quality, which it is. I go the route of maybe doing fewer but higher quality as opposed to doing like 20, 20 a week like a lot of people do. So, but I think there's a happy medium. Two a week. Two a week? Yeah. But I try to keep them under 15 minutes. It's, that's the goal. Sometimes they go a little longer, but I try to keep them under 15. Minutes. Okay. Two a week under 15 minutes. How's your editor working out for you? Very good. Do you need them? That's what I was wanted to ask you is I've been in search and I've had a couple interviews with some people and I was going to ask you if your editor had some capacity and maybe we could share costs or something if you're interested. I think he does. He has his own company. So I'll, yeah. I'll introduce you to Blake. Yeah, hook me up. I'd love to have the conversation because it's funny. I've just, I could go into the detail of a couple of the interviews I've had with some editing people and uh, they were kind of funny, but I can imagine <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Mark, one of my last questions that I always like to leave off with is the following. Part of my core values is to inspire, encourage, and come from a place of love. Yep. So if somebody was sitting here and maybe they're feeling a little bit stuck, what inspirational words or an inspirational message or maybe some encouragement did you, could you give to somebody that's maybe just feeling a little stuck to just help them take the next step forward? So I always say is just don't compare your insides to other people's outsides. If you're stuck, you're probably looking at somebody like like me or Russell, who's done a whole bunch of stuff. And you know what? Don't like you haven't been to where we've been. You haven't done what we've done. So to get where we are, you have to go through a whole bunch of shit to get there. So don't compare your insides to other people's outside. And here's the thing. If you're stuck, 
just pick something and move forward. If you're stuck on your health, just pick walking every day. Just little things. It doesn't have to be a huge thing. Find a community of people doing what you want to do. You know, that was rain back in the day. I don't know how they are now because uh, I haven't been there in a long time, but there's a community for everything that you want to do. Yep. Whether it's investing in real estate, stock market, getting fit, whatever that is. You want to run a triathlon, there's a community out there for you. And I think now as things start opening up again, let's hope for good. Let's just get back yeah. to seeing each other in person. And and with that, I can't wait to see my good friend Mark in person again. If It sounds like you're coming out to Alberta a lot more, and I'm just a skip across the Rockies. I'm making a trip into Alberta a lot more of late, too. You're out of time to get together. It sounds like I now have a place to stay in Canmore. That's right. <laughs> At rack rates, of course, right? Yeah. <laughs> you could pay full pop like everybody else, eh, Russ? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, I'm very happy for you, Mark. And I was looking forward to having this conversation and catching up. And sometimes, you know, you see what everybody's doing and, you know, the declaration, I'm going to buy another 200 places in the next year and stuff like that. And sometimes it's just want to have the conversation of the drive behind, like, why is the person doing that? What is their motivation? How are they helping and supporting others? And And you've always paid it forward is one of the things I will always say for you. And here's, here's what I'm going to acknowledge you with is every time you, you have a conversation with Mark, he's got the smile in his face and he's got the chuckle and you're always laughing and people underestimate you. They really do. And then when you sit there and you dive behind the surface on, on what you've accomplished and, and the drive and the fire that you have in your belly and the passion that you have, you're a high performer is the best way I can describe it. A high performer that just gets, pardon my language, just gets shit done. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And with all that being said, guys, I think that might be a really good place for us to leave off here today. So just remember, in every interaction you have with another person, everybody, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now. So what did you think of that episode? Did you pick up a few nuggets? Did you pick up a few implementables from this episode? Did you pick up a few, just maybe a reframe, maybe re-looking at what you're currently doing? Maybe you picked up a way of analyzing properties. Maybe you picked up that you maybe will get a little bit more thicker skin and we'll go into those rougher areas. All right. So what did you pick up from this? For me, the one thing I picked up from this one for myself very much was number one is it, it reaffirmed to me about staying in the lane that I've chosen about new construction and picking good quality properties in good quality areas with top-notch tenant profiles. That's really what it reaffirmed to me. I don't have enough time to really, prob not, no, don't get me wrong, there's probably tons of margin and tons of uh, money to be made on picking up really rough and older properties in older neighborhoods with lots of tenant problems. There's probably lots of money to be made, but I don't have that time. I don't have the patience and I probably don't have the skin thick enough to be willing to go do that. So just reaffirm to me of sticking with the lane that I've chosen of having good quality properties in good quality areas and good quality housing that matches the tenant profile in the area. Okay, so remember, it's, if you can go back to one of the episodes we talk about, this is one that my business partner, Jason Mattern, and I talk about is the three pillars of real estate. What you buy, where you buy, and who you rent to. Always start with your tenant profile. Who do you rent to? Match the house that that tenant wants to rent in the area that that tenant wants to live in. Okay, and that is a success recipe for long-term wealth within real estate. Okay, gang, one final message I want to leave off before we sign off this one and jump into the next couple episodes. You're going to love the next episodes. We have some, some more research coming down the pipe. We have some more in-depth tactical training. We have some more financing strategies. Going to be diving headfirst into some of the new CMHC multifamily 
lending products out there. We're going to be diving into that with a few experts there. And also my business partner, Jason, and I are going to be jumping back on here. I think it's been over a year since Jay and I recorded something. And things have shifted in Edmonton very quickly over the last couple months. And if any of you are interested in having a conversation about maybe wanting to invest in Edmonton, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for just jumping in willy-nilly and just buying anything off of the MLS. I am seeing so many mistakes that people are making, but wrong properties, wrong areas. I'm just seeing an awful lot of mistakes for, number one, inexperienced investors, but also inexperienced and maybe a new market. So here's what I'm here to do if you are interested in this. Uh, I've been investing in Edmonton and Alberta area for better part of 20 years. I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. I know what works. And more importantly, I know what doesn't work. And I know all the mistakes and all the landmines because I've detonated every single one of them. So if you are interested in wanting to have a conversation, if it fits within your maybe next action of what you want to do, hit me up. In the show notes below, there is a link where you can get a consultation opportunity. And if you just jump onto that, fill in your first name, your email, answer a few, very few short questions. And after you've done all of that, you'll get direct access to my calendar. And if you, once you get direct access to my calendar, we'll spend about 45 minutes on the phone, on Zoom, and we will just help you out on your next steps if Alberta is the right place for you. Or maybe you just need some advice on how do you take the next step. Okay, gang, so hope all that helps. Remember, we end off the podcast the same way each and every time. You know what's coming. And every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and come from a place of love. Bye for now, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now. Bye for now.